stand with us this morning as we open in worship. Sing along with us to Him. It's not to us, it's to Him. Sing along. trip. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. Yeah, almost tripped. Hey, good morning, Sunset Hills Baptist Church. It's so good to see you all this morning. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. That's worth a clap. That's worth a clap. Uh, if you are watching on our live stream this morning, 
If you're watching on our live stream, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune in and hear the good news about Jesus Christ. Um, we, we welcome you here if you're a visitor with us this morning. If you are, we'd love to get to know you better. Please stop in one of our people at our welcome desk. We'll take care of you. Uh, is everyone warm enough from this week? Everyone got their vitamin D, E, F, G, H, I, J? Okay, good. We're good. Let's keep worshiping the one who gives us that energy.
that, Lord, if we'll just confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that, God, we can be saved. That, God, you came to this world that all would be saved. Lord, what a gift that is. Lord, today as we lean into your word, God, I just pray that you would speak truth to us through Pastor Steve. And Lord, let us embrace that in our hearts and our minds. Lord, we sang that song about Cornerstone. And God, I just pray that your son Jesus and the word that you've left, God, is the cornerstone that we build our lives on today. We love you, God, and it's in your precious and holy son Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. You may be seated this morning. And I also say to you, good morning, Sunset Hills. It's so good to see you here this morning to worship with us, either in person here on campus, or if you're joining us by live stream, thank you for taking time to just sing your praises and share in God's word this morning. I have a statement I want to make uh, first regards to the important Supreme Court decision that was made this past week, history was made in our country. Please, just a moment. Our church affirmed our belief in regards to how we view human life when we uh, updated and affirmed our Constitution and bylaws of what we believe, uh, the different belief statements we have, if you were to look and find a copy of that, you would find in number 16 our, our statement on this that goes like this. We believe that all human life is sacred and created by God in His image. Human life is of inestimable worth in, with, in, its all, in all its dimensions, including pre-born babies, the aged, the physical, physically and mentally challenged, and every other stage or condition from conception through natural death. We are therefore called to defend, protect, and value all human life. The scripture reference that we use for that is from Psalm 139. So that is our statement that we affirmed, believed, much before, long before we put it on paper in our Constitution and bylaws, but our church unanimously uh, affirmed the whole Constitution bylaws in a business meeting about two months ago. Now, personally, I think it was a very right decision that the Supreme Court made. However, I do was trying to come up with a further statement that I wanted to make on that, and I decided, I, after I read a statement by a friend of mine, I thought he penned these words very well, so I want to uh, read you what he wrote because it really follows right along closely with how I feel personally and I want to say that because I think you need to know where your pastor stands on things of this nature. Joshua Young wrote these words and I'm changing a few things to fit the occasion it says this pro-life Christian today is a day to listen much more than you type, argue, speak, or celebrate. No one remember where your life comes from. Don't be distracted. Remind yourself of these words of truth today. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Which, by the way, that scripture goes right along with the subject I'm going to preach about this morning. He goes on, he writes, for half the people in our nation, the court decision today is a day of elation and exuberance. For the other half of our country, this is a day of a devastation and horror. It's literally every other post, as he was writing on Facebook, astounding how vast the gap in our perception is. But Christians, we must follow in the way of Jesus. He listened to others. He met their needs. He advocated for the weak, the helpless, and the outcast. He spoke the absolute truth unapologetically in infinite love and compassion. He valued loving others over his own opinion and even his own life. He valued every single person's life throughout all the eons of time above his own perfect life. Remember, cultural and legal winds do nothing to usher in the kingdom. Courts are not our saviors. Laws are not our saviors. Jesus is our savior. Real love and care and compassion for others is the only way to lead others to the life-altering way of following Jesus. You are a missionary and and a court decision in D.C. does not give you any more rights than you had yesterday. When you follow Jesus, you lay down your rights in order to serve others around you. Sometimes this means limiting your expression and post on social media to love and serve others who don't feel the same way you do. So seek ye first to listen to the concerns of others and around you and love them and lead them to Jesus, who is our ultimate life. And he closes with this scripture, Proverbs 10, 19 through 21. When words are many, transgressions are lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for a lack of sense. And I wholeheartedly agree with the words that my friend Joshua Young has written. Now's a time for the church to love. Now's a time to show others the real meaning of life, and that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, we are grateful for your love and your mercy. We're grateful that you value life, and certainly you've shown this through the giving of your Son, Jesus Christ, who gives us life. Help us protect that life. Help us to, as a country, to somehow move beyond the division. To find love and have it replace the hatred that exists. Help us to be united, Father. And through love that we have for Jesus Christ, help us reach that uh, and overcome those divisions that exist. Help us to overcome the sin when we are sinful, Father, and find forgiveness in you. And now, Lord, I pray that you bless our time together in the preached word. Thank you for our time of worship and music. We ask that you would just use this time, Father, to speak to our hearts. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.
The story goes of a traveler who, um, between flights and an airport, bought a small package of cookies. She then sat down in the busy snack shop that she purchased us in and um, to glance over the newspaper that as she read her paper, she began to become aware of a noise coming across the table from her and peeking above the newsprint. She was shocked to see that a well-dressed gentleman sitting across from her was helping himself to her cookies. Half angry and half embarrassed, she reached over and gently slid the package closer to her as she took out one and began to mulch munch on it. A minute or so passed before she heard the rust, more rustling. The man had gotten another cookie, but by now there was only one left in the package. Though flabbergasted, she didn't want to make a scene, so she said nothing. And finally, as, to add, as if to add to insult, the man broke the remaining cookie into two pieces, pushed one piece across the table toward her with a frown, gupped uh, down his half, and left without even saying, Thank you. And she sat there dumbfounded. Sometime later, when her flight was announced, the woman opened her handbag to get her ticket. To her shock, there in her purse was her package of unopened cookies. <laughs> and somewhere in that same airport was another traveler still trying to figure out how that strange woman could have been so forward and insensitive. Pretty interesting story, isn't it? We all have stories like that where we go on automatic not giving too much thought about what we're doing. I mean, come on, guys. Have you ever walked into the bathroom in somewhere like an airport and commercial building and realized you're in the wrong one? For guys, you realize something is strange pretty quickly. This place looks different. And then you realize the urinals, what have they done with them, right? Panic sets in because it dawns on you, you must be in the ladies' restroom. If you're like me, it's like, how quickly can I get out of here? A panic comes over you. Our brains think without giving us much consideration about thinking about what we're thinking about. We so easily get into ruts, we get into routines, don't get me wrong, not all routines are bad. I'm glad that I have many routines in my life that I am predictable as to how I'm going to do it. I mean, really, there are certain things that I don't, I just go on automatic and I think about it like driving a car, okay? So far, my routines have worked out pretty well. I've been accident-free for several years now, and now watch me go out and have an accident this afternoon, you know? There are patterns as to how I mow my grass. I like doing it the same way and, and all of those things. So not all patterns and not all routines are badly. But sometimes we get into ruts and routines and we, we don't even think about what's going on in our life and that can be detrimental. Oftentimes it happens even when we come to church. I want you to think with me this morning about this. What do you think I'm sorry, why do you think what you think? Why do you think what you think? 
This power of thought, this ability we have, is an incredible gift that's given to mankind, to, to us. It separates us. It is the thing that separates us from all of other creation, from animals and plant life. What other species, species has been able to do what mankind is able to do? The ability to learn, to think, to choose, to reason. That's what makes us different from your pet dog or your cat or any other animal that is out there. Without the power of thought, there would be no dreaming. There would be no love. There would be no hope. There would be no praying. And that's not all. There would be no singing as we've done this morning. We wouldn't be able to work or have purpose or meaning in life. We would just have mere existence. How to think is a critical value and virtue for anyone to know. And how we do this, how we face problems in life, how we find satisfaction, how, do we how we achieve different levels of happiness, it's all determined on the way that we think. Thoughts are powerful. Whether we are positive or negative, whether we see things half full or half empty, the, our thinking process determines that approach to life. Thoughts form who we are. They, thoughts uh, th consistently become patterns, and patterns become lifestyle. Thoughts we think about regularly determine our actions and our values and our morals, and ultimately our thoughts truly make up who we are. You are, as you've heard before, you can say it with me, what you think. Yeah. All too often, what and how we think is influenced by the views that are inconsistent with biblical teaching. Every person, all of us here this morning, listening to my voice, every person that you come in contact, does not matter who you are, it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, every person is engaged in a battle right now. It's a battle for your mind. We live in a time when culture all around us is screaming, listen and decide the way I tell you to. I'll tell you how to think. It's been this way since the beginning of time, and it has, and this has had profound influence even in our world today. And Paul recognizes this even way back when he was writing to the Ephesians. He says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his, his mighty power. He goes on, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Watch this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What Paul is saying here is, is that there's stuff going on 
around us that is unseen. There's influences in this world, the undercurrent of popular opinion, the trends that prevail, and all and struggle that are out there and with the, they're joining in with the forces of evil that exist in the world. And out of this different world view, out of this we have different worldviews that exist. And in that, the battle pursues for our minds. Every one of us have a worldview. Everybody has thoughts about what is good and what's bad, what is right and what's wrong, where you come from and where you're going. Is there a God or is there not a God? And when you hear the precepts of these worldviews, our own personal worldview has become skewed by the mixture of these worldviews that tends to shape ours. I just briefly want to touch on a very simple uh, explanation of different worldviews that exist that we're all having to deal with. And it's a very simple explanation. I'm not going to go into great deal of detail, but there are different worldviews that each of us are affected by and may creep into our own. There's first the moral relativism, the philosophy of life that states that there are no absolutes of right and wrong. You get to do whatever you choose or you think is right. That's what the moral relativism, moral relativism says. It's the belief that right and wrong are arbitrary and transitory, determined by the individual or by the culture. Then there's existentialism. Seems like a, a big word that means basically live for today. There's no such thing as a, a good or bad person or a bad or good situation. What happens just happens. We have to create our own lives, our own selves, and our own values. We're born without a destiny. It basically is all up to us. The world, your life, uh, can have meaning, but only if you choose to put meaning to your world and your life. And then there's secular humanism. Humanism with regard in particular to the belief that human, humanity is capable of morality and self-fulfillment, watch this, without a belief in God. Human beings are capable of being ethical or moral without religion or belief in a deity. Man becomes his own savior in secular humanism. There is nothing more than man. There is no solution to the woes of man but from man himself. And of course, such a thinking currently certainly pays away for the ultimate man of sin, the Antichrist. And then there are all sorts of false religions out there. It's estimated that there are over 4,000 different religions that exist in the world today. Most of them are widely recognized as Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. But let me just say this. Of all of those religions, Christianity is the only one that has an empty grave. Amen? And then there's a Christian worldview. A Christian worldview, watch this, this is what hopefully we subscribe to. A Christian worldview involves believers thinking about anything and everything in a manner that is consistently shaped 
directed and restrained by the truth of God's Word and God's Spirit. Unfortunately, in our world today, it's, we've almost come down to this, that many Christians do not think and use their abilities to think in the best ways that serves God. Unfortunately, as Bertram Russell, a philosopher, once said, most Christians would rather die than think. He goes on to say, in fact, they do. So what I want to do this morning, I want to take some time to think about what Scripture is, th is teaching us about thinking, about our thoughts. Certainly Solomon knew the importance of thought. In Proverbs 23, 7, he, he pins this. For as he thinks, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Boy, if there's ever a time as believers in Jesus Christ, we as Christians need to engage in thinking. So if our thoughts are of great importance, then we should be cautious. And Paul reminds us to think about what we think about. Romans, if you want to follow along in chapter 12, it goes like this. And I'm reading from the message today. It's a little clearer of an understanding, not a translation, but a paraphrase of what Scripture says. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even, watch it, thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Isn't this an interesting concept that, that the Apostle Paul is saying and that he's talking about how thoughts and, and interaction with culture has an effect on our relationship with God? He cautions, cautions us that culture can influence you in negative ways that you don't even consider or think about. Paul is writing, and we're going back to this verse. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Now, let's just back up a little and let's look at the culture that existed in Rome. As he was writing, Rome was a relatively wealthy city. It included several economic classes, including slaves and free individuals and official Roman citizens and nobles of different kind, political and military. There were all sorts of different people there. First century Rome was known to be filled with all kinds of decadence and immorality from brutal practices of, in the arena to sexual immorality of all kinds. It's not a very pleasant place to be. And Christians, new Christians, are being persecuted in horrible ways. It's just a bad place, not family-oriented, to be. It's repulsive, and it's gross, and it's obviously godless. 
Sound familiar? And here Paul is saying, don't be so well adjusted that you fit into it without thinking. Now that would seem to be obvious, wouldn't it? That you would want to fit into that if you're a Christ follower. But he's having to remind them, he's having to warn that followers of Jesus that you're to be different, you're to think differently, and don't dare fit into that culture. It's interesting that Paul's words written so many years ago has such great meaning and application in our day of today. He's building this case that you can actually be a Christ follower and you can love him, but if you're around something long enough and if you're not thinking what you're, about what your brain is taking in, then your life can develop thought patterns that really affect who you become. And he's warning Christians in this time, don't get so comfortable in that setting that you start to take on these types of actions, but at the same time, be cautious that you don't totally disengage with culture that's out there. In fact, we as a church, we want to have an impact on culture, do we not? Do we not? Do we not, do we not have the only answer for culture today? And that's found in Jesus Christ. People are searching. Sometimes they don't even know they're searching. Oftentimes I think that there are people today that they are so lost, they're looking for something, but they just don't know where to find it. And quite often the church is so silent that we're not helping them find what the answer is. We were talking about it in our class this morning, my life group uh, that we have, that oftentimes we just become complacent. He said, don't be some come so well adjusted that you join in it, but at the same time, don't disengage from it. As much as we want to, as much as we realize, we also need to realize that not all culture believes like we do. Not all morals and standards and values reflect the attitude of Christ. And for us that are Christians, we're called to live by a higher standard than what the world lives by. In fact, we're the only, of all of those other uh, worldviews, we're the only one that has a higher standard that's being, been handed down to us, and that's called the Word of God. All the rest of them, it's left up to mankind. The Bible is our standard. It's what teaches us about how to go through life and how to really deal with culture, the different path that we're supposed to take. So as we live in this culture we find ourselves in, really we find ourselves in a, in a place of tension of what we believe and the culture that we live in. And the great news is that not even though that even though culture seems to be going in the opposite direction than it's teaching and in the process it's trying to teach and drag us down to the lower depths of, of sin and depravity, the ending has already been determined. And you know what? God wins. You know, we can get so caught up in this, even as believers, and it becomes like, really? Really? 
just about had enough to where we want to just give up, right? But we have this, this, this knowledge of knowing that in the end, God is never lost. Culture would have you believe that he doesn't exist and that there's no place for him in our lives today, but God teaches us that, that's, that he, he will, in fact, in the end, win and be victorious. But here's the deal. If you continue to focus, you keep working towards that hope that exists in us, that we find in God's Word, you keep just believing that God is sovereign and that He has control over all things. You keep being consistent in your belief about who He is and, how, and the relationship that He wants to have with you in your life. Here's what you will find is eventually you start turning your life to, over to knowing what really matters in life. Not all these battles that are going on, but is that right relationship with God. So we just hang in there. We contend with the friction that exists between what we believe and what, where we live. If Christians are going to be different, then we have to think differently. We must not allow culture to control our thoughts. So how do we do this? Well, let me just say, first of all, you can't. You don't have the power in and of yourself to overcome all of this. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot counteract the onslaught of messages that you get from the outside. And really, you're fooling yourself if you think you can, that you're capable of facing this battle on your own. Apostle Paul himself was struggling with this. And he writes in Romans chapter 7, uh, kind of a discourse here that really is good that it's there because it gives people like us a hope who are, who are fighting these battles. He says, I'm full of myself after all. I've spent a long time in sin's prison. He's looking back on his life and he's realizing where he was. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way and then I act another doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For I know that the law, I know the law, but still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. You see that? He said, I can't do it on my own here. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, then, then I do it anyway. My decisions such as they are don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me uh, every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, 
But it's pretty obvious, is obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly re rebel. And just when I least expected, they take charge. And is that familiar to anybody? You know what's being said here? I've tried everything, but nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? You see how hopeless and desperate when he's relying on himself really is? But then he comes up and he asks this question. It's a rhetorical question. And he comes back and he knows the answer. And he says that the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something different. Man, that should be all of our answer. That should be all of our point that we really take and appreciate and thank God for that the answer, he says, is thank God. It's that Jesus Christ, he can and he does. He's my helper. The answer is yes. Oh, yes, there's a way out there for us to go beyond this pull for culture, and it's found through Jesus Christ and through none others. Maybe, maybe when we're still struggling with the battle of our mind, we think maybe trapped in this, if I just work hard enough, if I just discipline myself more, if I just really remove all the things that causes problems with thinking in my mind, maybe I can do it on my own, but the answer is no, you can't. But through Christ Jesus, you can. He goes on, Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. You know, again, this is a paraphrase from the message. But there's a lot of truth in this, even today for the church. Sadly, it seems that so many people who call themselves Christ followers, so many people who Jesus has rescued, they're right the opposite of what this is saying. Where it says, so if you're serious, I'm afraid that so many people of the Christian faith are not serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ. They're pursuing other things rather than what Scripture teaches us. Because here it says, pursue the things over which Christ presides. That's what we're supposed to be going after. And yet it seems like we seem to be chasing after all of dreams and what culture is trying to tell us is important. He goes on, he writes, don't shuffle along eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. How many of us fit this category? Absorbed with the things right in front of me. Just get me through the day. Consumed with all the things that are just like causing us to chase our tails around all the place, all the time. 
I, I, I don't I don't know why we do this yeah I can understand we get preoccupied on things that seem to be important we get absorbed with those things that are right in front of us yet Paul writes don't, don't be occupied with those he, and he says look up be alert to what is going on around Christ that's where the action is see the things from his perspective in other words think like Christ thinks see life from his perspective there's two different lifestyles being presented here a lifestyle with looking at things that are earthly and worldly and right there in front of us that gives temporary satisfaction but then there's the other lifestyle that is being presented here is look up and see things what that are permanent that that are focused where Christ puts his focus see those things as being important two different lifestyles here that that basically if you compare the two verses you've got shuffling along or looking up you've got eyes to the ground or alert to what Jesus was going around on around us in Christ absorbed with the things that are right in front of you versus seeing things from Christ's perspective two different lifestyles there that he's presenting for us in all those categories the shuffling along the eyes to the ground the absorbed with the things right in front of you if we're not careful those will be the things that will lead our lives and our desires our thinking yet on the other hand if we're looking up if we're becoming alert to what's going around us in Christ that's where the Bible this paraphrase says that's where the action is and we begin to see things differently that's thinking like Jesus thinks now tell me which side of life do you do where are you at so how do we learn to do this if we're having struggle with it what's God's plan to help us remember it starts out he's saying don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without ever thinking and then there's this word it says instead there's a better choice there's a different way here fix your attention on God you'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity God brings out the best of you develops well-formed maturity in you there you go there's your solution to fix your attention on God now and all honestly it sounds pretty simple doesn't it but it's not and I, I could give you all sorts of reasons as to why this is isn't so simple but instead of taking the time to give you reasons not to let me <clears throat> let me give you something that will help you make it easier you want to know how to fix your attention on God well very real way is to do it like we're doing today in community do it with other people you see when I have other people that are encouraging me and thinking 
like Christ thinks, it becomes easier for me to stand up against the, the forces of culture out there that are trying to drag me down in other ways. So I, 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 I do it with this community called the church. And with that comes responsibility. Responsibility that when one of us is down and we're being focused on other areas that we shouldn't be, that the church comes alongside and helps bring it up. But it also means that I'm the one, when I, am, when I am strong, I'm trying to help those that are weak. That's what I'm trying to do right now. Trying to help those who are struggling, that, that we're here not to focus on ourselves, but to focus on God, to put our attention on God. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have Bible studies, is to help you find that community that puts your attention on God. So surround your people, yourself with people who are committed to fixing their attention on God. Now watch what happens when we fix our attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. I, I, I think this is really familiar to probably every one of us who at some point in time we have we have fallen away. We've allowed other things to take the place of God. But then when we turn our attention back to God, we begin to, wow, it's refreshing. Things are happening inside of me. And my thinking is changing. And really what that begins to do is what was described here is to begin, I begin to see things from a different perspective. And I begin to see that Christ really is working in my life. It changes how I think. He goes on to say, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Don't put it off. Let that interaction, that, that working relationship between you and God lead you to do other things, primarily to help other people. And that, too, helps change your focus. Quickly respond to it. Don't mess around with it. When you sense the Spirit is speaking to you, to you do something about it. Feel that gentle nudge. And part of Growing in maturity is listening and learning to sense him. And watch this. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best, develops well-formed maturity in you, and you begin to change. I can't just say that enough. God, bring out the best in me. Will you say that with me? God bring out the best in me come on you can do better than that God bring out the best in me isn't that what we all want really isn't that what we're striving for that's what God wants for us I'm reminded of the old hymn the verses or the choruses go like this Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Do you know it? Maybe you know the words. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Can I back up just for a minute and tell you how the 
verse 1 goes, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Rest full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We certainly have had a week where cultural is screaming. It won't end. It's going to continue to happen. If not over the abortion issue, it's over every other kind of issue we can ever imagine. When culture is trying to, in its very best, convince us that they have, it has the answer. And if you believe that, that's one of those false religions. Because the only answer is found in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me, please? We are living in a culture that's divided, in a time that it seems that everywhere we turn, Father, that there's so much that tries to pull our attention away from you, even within the church. And it seems to be a struggle that we're having a hard time keeping the main thing, the main thing, the main thing being Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray as we're here, your people today, that Christ is the main thing, the first thing. He's the one we're looking to provide answers to life's questions. He's the one we're looking to, to speak into the hearts and lives of people that are struggling maybe even into our own, Father. And I pray that we'll be able to look full in the face of Jesus. And when we do, we know without a doubt, because he's proven this over and over, that we find grace, we find mercy, we find acceptance, we find love, we find all those things that we can't find any place else. And Father, in that, may we have hope. May we see things as Jesus sees them. And as he sees them, we see people that need to know his love. And it encourages us as your church to share that love. I pray, Father, that Sunset Hills would be a church that's known for loving you and loving others. I pray that it will start with me and each one of us. Father, I pray if there's one here that has yet to find that relationship with Jesus, that today they would understand just how much 
you love them in order to send your son Jesus to die on the cross so that we could have that right relationship with you. Father, help give us strength. Your church. Help us, Father, to listen, care, to be there. To show compassion. To show the same kind of grace and mercy that you've shown to us. To learn how to disagree and disagree respectfully. But in a loving way. as a reflection of who Jesus is. Pray for our country, Father. Not just our country, but I pray for the world. In the midst of all these religions that have caused dissension and divisions and hatred and worldviews that are inconsistent with the Christ-like worldview, Father. May the people of this world find, discover how different Christianity is and the sacrifice that was made through Jesus Christ to demonstrate your love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for our sins. Would you help us accomplish that? Father, if there's one here today that needs to make a decision for you, then maybe they just need to come spend some time talking with you. As we open up this altar for a time of prayer, an invitation, I pray that there would be nothing that would hold us back from being obedient to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you please stand? There's a lighthouse on a hillside It overlooks life's sea when I'm tossed, it sends out a light that I might see. And the light that shines in the darkness now will safely lead a soul if it wasn't for house I should be
around me Say tear that lighthouse down For the big ships don't sail this way anymore There's no use standing round Then my mind goes back to that stormy night when just in time I saw the light it was the light from that old lighthouse standing there here God for the lighthouse I So if you're here and um, you don't already know about this, we would love for you to come connect with the ladies for a big social. They say ages 18 to 118. So uh, surely that'll fit a whole lot of folks in here. But that's coming up. Um, it's our Sunday, Sunday social. Sunday, Sunday social. Um, and that's going to be July 24th, 5 o'clock. Don't need to bring anything for this, just yourself. Uh, the church is providing everything for that, so we encourage you to come and join us for that. Then also coming up, we have a family fun day. This is called our Saturated Sunday. If you don't know about it, Super Saturated Sunday, the 31st of July, and uh, we're going to have water games galore, so we encourage you to come. Now, for this one, you do need to bring something. Uh, bring your, your bathing suit and a towel 
and some things like that. We'll be providing food, and uh, it's going to be a really, really great time. Um, and then also Vacation Bible School. Um, that's going to be coming up here right around. Do we have a slide on that? It's coming. It's coming. Concretes and cranes, and there it goes. Concrete and cranes. Uh, July 10th through the 13th, um, as Pastor Mike has shared many times, this is the number one evangelical um, event of our whole church, uh, the Southern Baptist Church. And so uh, we encourage you, if you're not already signed up to be a part of that, um, please sign up, be a part of that. Definitely be praying for all the souls that are going to be changed, children's lives that are going to be encouraged during that week. Um, I don't think I have any other announcements. That's everything. A busy July coming up, so I encourage you to plug in and be a part of everything going on within our ministry. Close with me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to, Lord, just do life together. God, we thank you for uh, that gift that you've given us, Lord, and, and we are so um, honored, God, to be able to live for you, God. And uh, so, Lord, as we go about this uh, mission field that we call life, God, I just pray that we would just reflect your kindness, goodness, grace, and mercy in everything that we do and your love. Lord, let other people know um, that we serve a risen Savior. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request. We would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.